Welcome to the Humans of Mila podcast, presented by the Malia Jones Network. You know, I couldn't walk without falling. Uh, my legs were, they didn't work, you know, and so that was pretty much when I had the defining moment of, you know, I have to learn how to work smarter, not harder, and I need passive income. It's time to get inside the minds of hustlers. What do they do on a daily basis to separate themselves from the competition? What helps me is to keep the hard times in the front of my mind. This allows me to go into these big moments with a different perspective. They're local, but definitely not average. These are the humans of Nila. It's showtime, baby. Let's give them what they came for. the voice of the world. Hey! Grambling State University Marching Band. It's Leon Thomas III. We advise anyone who might be offended by strong language to please skip to the next episode. Sure, buying the bread, buying the sandwich meat, buying the processed foods because maybe I'm lazy, maybe I don't have the skill set or the technique, or maybe my priorities are all out of whack. You right. know, how do I go from what was ordinary your life to now you are extraordinary in your priorities and how you're managing life? How do how does a normal person start that process? Well, I know uh, for me the process got started because I was almost forced to do it. Uh, I found myself at 36 with gout, uh, sleep apnea, allergies so severe that I had to get a shot every spring to be able to swallow my own saliva. Uh, I weighed 275 pounds at the time, and I was uh, just getting out of a marriage that was uh, very toxic. I filed for divorce, and so I found myself at a situation where I was either going to sink or swim. And so what I try to promote to people is that I've been down the path that you're on and I know exactly where it leads to. And I turned around and went the opposite direction. And I try to guide people away from potential danger. And I don't think that we as a culture see our lifestyles as potentially dangerous. We see that which is common as that which is normal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's normal to be sick, but people do because a cold is common. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had a cold since 2009. And so for me, my priorities are optimal health and wellness. Period. Point blank. End of discussion. So most of the things I do, I'm not saying that I'm living in a bubble and I don't ever have a drink. I'm not a drinker anymore. There was a time where I drank every day. Uh, probably more than most people would consume on the weekend, and that would include weekend alcoholics. Uh, 
We're from Louisiana. Louisiana has a very relaxed attitude about alcohol consumption, and that is whether you are uh, religious or atheist. In all areas in between, we have a very relaxed attitude about it. Mm -hmm. The legal drinking age in Louisiana was 18 up until 1996, which I think, looking back on it now, as a 49-year-old man, is reckless and irresponsible mm -hmm. as, a, as a state. You're giving kids who have been driving two years max access to all the liquor they can handle. And I got my fair share. Mm -hmm. I have an early birthday. I was born in February. So I was legally buying alcohol as a high school senior. Legally. And no one frowned upon it. No one. It wasn't even a big deal. But we led the nation in vehicular homicides for 21 and under. What about the kids that say, well, if I'm old enough to serve in the Army, I'm old enough to drink alcohol? Because, you know, that's the right, other end of that. Right. I don't think that poor people should be fighting rich people's wars. Mm -hmm. I've never been interested in going to the military. I did a stellar job on the ASVAB test in mm -hmm. high school. <laughs> I am, I am pro-love. Mm -hmm. So I don't be, believe that we should be fighting for anything other than our rights to be totally independent and be who we are. Mm -hmm. um, I understand that, you know, it's an opportunity for you to get money, to make an, make a better life for yourself and all or of those been in things. And... Yeah, all of those things. But I know people whose lives have changed from being in war mm -hmm. and not in a physical way where they may lose a limb. That's the pain you see. Mm -hmm. But you don't see that they can't sleep at night. You don't see that they are uncomfortable on 4th of July and New mm -hmm. Year's Eve when you're celebrating and having a war outside mm -hmm. and they're living with all of this trauma. Yes. And you know, and then this trauma results in them develop, developing very, very bad habits. Right, which is pills Destructive and... habits, pills and alcohol. And that's another reason that I'm really big on physical exercise because I personally know men and women who have helped themselves deal with their PTSD tremendously through exercise. Mm -hmm. The exercises I practice, like weight training, and uh, I like to call it slang and iron. Sun's out, guns <laughs> out, and um, and also yoga and meditation, those types of things, as opposed to pills, mm -hmm. because the body and the mind are connected. See, I think the problem is is that with the whole Western uh, system of treating us, we do it like a car. Well, you can't fix the brakes, fixing the symptoms, right? And then you want to fix what the problem is, you know. But I have been dealing with pain for a while in different areas, but it's because the injury is spinal. You know, mm -hmm. so the spine runs from the top to the bottom. So what that taught me is that you can't spot train your body. You have to fix the entire thing. And what does that pain cause? It also causes a little bit of emotional stress. Mm -hmm. Because you can't really be happy when you're in pain. Right. And so for me... I think that when you give someone a pill, all you really do, and this is how I look at it, if you would think of someone who you love more than anyone else in the world, and now imagine that someone is torturing them. And the only way that you can find them is to follow the sounds of their screams and their shrieks. 
And then all of a sudden they put duct tape on their mouth. The torturing didn't stop. It may have even gotten worse. But now you can't find them mm -hmm. because you can't hear them. And that's what we do when we take a pill to turn our body's screams off. Because pain of any kind is an indication that something needs to change. But we don't like to change. We just like to turn the, the pain off mm -hmm. so we can keep doing what it is that we do that causes the pain in the first place. Because our priorities are messed up. Oh, no priorities. That's why I say optimal health. And optimal health isn't just, oh, look how fit he is. It's me making sure that I make sleep a priority, which is something that we don't like to do in America. Even in rap culture, oh, I'm going to sleep when I die. You're going to die a lot sooner if you don't get no goddamn sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quite honestly. So, and I haven't always done that. And I think that the the sickness that I, that I faced at age 36 that brought me to that crossroads where I had to really make a decision. Are you going to be just like everyone else in your family? All of the people who have set these examples for you for this destructive lifestyle that you have. Are you going to be someone who takes pills and then these pills are going to make you worse and then you're going to have more symptoms and then you're going to have to take more pills and you're going to get worse. And I'm 36 years old and I had seen people live lives like that where they were in constant pain and so I was uncomfortable in my body but it wasn't just what I was eating which I discovered along the way yes it was what I was eating yes it was because I was drinking but it was also because I was in a toxic relationship which stressed me out and I was trying to make it work mm -hmm. we got to stop trying to put you know, square pigs in the round circles, mm -hmm. round holes. That's mm -hmm. just not going to happen. Right. And I think that we don't get to be individuals. You know, that's where the phrase black sheep of the family comes from. Mm -hmm. That's the person who's the individual. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to be an individual. And instead of prioritizing our own individuality, which is ultimately being yourself and is best for you, mm -hmm. We prioritize what it is other people want us to be. Mm -hmm. And that your parents want you to be that way so they can go brag to their friends about how awesome you are, which makes them look like an awesome parent. But your brother and sister in the damn pen, mm -hmm. they got the same parent. Mm -hmm. So what happened? You know, you were off one day. You were on. Were y'all drunk this night when y'all conceived this one? What happened? Did y'all, was this makeup sex and y'all had just had a fight and that anger was in there? What was it? Mm -hmm. You know? So I think if you, and, and what happens is those people are the ones who turn to destructive behaviors because what it is that you really want to do or need to do or should do isn't allowed. It's frowned upon. So what is your optimal health? You have to do the things that really make you feel good. Mm -hmm. Because our bodies hold trauma just like our minds do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it. I remember vividly when my mama said, wait till your daddy get home. Now you got butterflies in your stomach all night. Or if you break up with someone you love, then you can feel the pain in your heart if you've ever loved somebody and broken up with. 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's foreign land to some of the listeners out there, but I know exactly how it feels to break up with somebody that you love and you feel that pain in your heart where it's like something is pulling you and you can't breathe. Oh, I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. It had a physical effect, even though it was an emotional situation. We are holistic. Even the people who say that they are religious, the word holy comes from the word whole, which means complete. Mm -hmm. Complete. So it's mind, body, soul. We are an entity. We are are plants with complex emotions. Mm -hmm. So that reminds me. So you are plant-based now. So, okay, so take it back. So you were 36. Yes, You got out of that bed. And you couldn't get from the bed to oh, the toilet. Oh, that was a different story. Yeah, okay. yeah. Now, at 36, that's the spinal injury. But at 36, the culmination of all of these things led to me. I already had high blood pressure. And I had a, uh, I had a very different... And let me say this. To all of the men out there who are on high blood pressure medication... If you are not telling young men that that affects your erection, you're a punk-ass dude. Hmm. Word up. I want to say to my homeboy Keith Dean and my homeboy Walter Dean and their mother, Miss Betty Dean, Brother Dean, Brother Walter Dean Sr., I love him so much. I will forever be in debt to him. Um... And this was where all of this started and why I'm going there. I remember it was 1999. Keith had moved home. He played uh, football for uh, briefly for Green Bay Packers. And his brother Walter played prior to him. They both played at Gramlin High and at Gramlin State. Stellar running backs. Uh, and Keith is my buddy and we both were iron addicts. So we like to lift. And so Keith and I started working out together. And this particular night, I couldn't work out. My head was throbbing. I had had a headache for about three days. I went to the doctor, a doctor who was a family friend. Uh, He ran the test, man. He got high blood pressure. He wrote me a prescription. I went and got it filled that evening. It was a Friday. No big deal. Because in my mind at the time, that was normal. It's not normal. It was common, though. And my father has high blood pressure, so I was under the misconception that it ran in my family. So I accepted it without even considering that I played a role in this or that I could play a role in changing it. Mm-hmm. And that evening I went to go pick up Keith and we were going to go hang out as usual. And because his father raised me in the lodge, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Mason as well out there. Sunrise Lodge, number 114, Gramlin, Louisiana. Brother J.D. Lewis, worshipful master. So uh, what up, squares? What up, stars? Out there in podcast land. But uh, so we had a different relationship as opposed to me being his son's friend. I was brother LT. Mm-hmm. And so when I came in, it was LT, man, I was having hey, brother Zane. He was like, man, Keith said you've been having some problems with your head. I said, yes, sir, I'm, I'm good. He said, what'd you do? I said, I went to the doctor. He said, what'd the doctor say? I said, man, he gave me some pills. And I hadn't taken any because it was the evening. So I was going to start the next morning. Mm-hmm. And Brother Dean looked at me with a very serious face. And he said, boy, don't you take them goddamn pills? I said, what do you mean? He said, boy, that stuff going to age you fast. 
Well, I'm thinking that it's going to make me look old. You know, so I'm vain, so I didn't want to look old in the face. I'm like, what? What? I said, what do you mean? He said, boy, that shit going to steal all your nature. Well, I'm from the country. And so when an old man says nature, I know what he's talking about. So, you know, for those of you who may not know what that, that means, it meant that it was going to keep you from having an erection. You know, I said, are you serious? So he had my undivided attention. My ears look like Doberman pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, really? He said, come with me. He took me to the kitchen and he opened the refrigerator. And he pulled out a jar, and this jar had some kind of brown liquid in it and some kind of little cubes floating in it. Uh, I said, man, my dad got one of these. And I hadn't mentioned this to my parents because my grandmother had just died. So there again, I was, I was also, you know, you know, attributing a lot of that to the fact that my grandmother had died. And, you know, everybody loves their grandmother. I understand that. When I was born in 1971, they didn't have the type of medical advancements. And so my mother had a narrow birth canal. And so they had to pull me out of the womb with tongs, which left my face disfigured. One of my eyes was higher than the other. One of my ears was higher than the other. I probably looked like the elephant man. And my grandmother, like the old people did back in the day, shaped and rubbed my face. And I think I'm cute. Hell, I think I'm pretty. <laughs> and a lot of times women tell me that. For those of you who can't see me, you can look me up. I'm on the internet. I'm cute. Shit. Y'all see me. Hell. Sometimes I tell ladies, man, you are so pretty. And they say, so are you. And I, I thank y'all for that. I love it. But a lot of the reason that I've felt so confident most of my life is because I'm proud of how I look. And I know I wouldn't have had an ounce of that if it hadn't been for my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And then she lived with us the last two years of her life. So I got a chance to really kind of try to pay her back by taking care of her. Mm -hmm. And so when I when I saw this jaw, you know what I'm saying? I was like, man, my daddy got one of these. And he was like, I bet he bothered with that pressure, ain't he? And I was like, you know what? Daddy does have high blood pressure. Damn. And so he opened it and let me smell it. And I was like, he was like, now this vinegar and garlic. He said, now it stank like hell. He said, you get you a couple swigs in the morning and a couple swigs before you go to bed at night. He said, and it'll keep your pressure right and it ain't going to bother your nature. And that took me back to a time I have much older parents. Daddy will be 88 this year. Mom will be 79. And so, and they had me later in life. My parents didn't get married until my mama was 28. My daddy was, it was a month before his 37th birthday. So I have older parents. Well, they had older aunts and uncles and whatnot. And, you know, you guys are from the South just like I am. And so a lot of your lifestyle was based upon farming and being in rural areas. And I remember so vividly, anytime I got sick and my cousin Princetta, what's up, Barfield? Love you, baby. Appreciate you. But uh, we would get sick. Some old person would tell my mom or my daddy, somebody in their age group, baby, go out there and get me. Mm. Go out, Chanda, and get me. And I don't care what it is you had. It was something that they would send them outside in the yard or in the woods to go get and bring back. And this was going to fix your ailment, whether they were going to put it on you, they were going to boil it and make a tea or, or some type of salve. But it was always something. And that was the beginning of me 
getting on the path to actually applying a lot of the the getting back to nature in terms of, of who we are as human beings, if you will, because anything that's going to have a negative impact on my penis is something that I want no parts <laughs> of. If you tell me oxygen is bad for your dick, <laughs> hey, you got about five good minutes left because I'm... <laughs> And that's what I say to these dudes out here, man. You know, you can't tell me you love women when you'll sacrifice your erection for a damn pork chop or some Popeye's chicken. Y'all singing love songs on TV to chicken. So I heard you used to be a comedian. <laughs> I did do stand I was not prepared years. for you today. <laughs> I'm sorry. And now I love it. I think it's incredible. You know, I definitely think that... Um, your energy is so contagious, you know, and it feels so good. So how do you get on the right path? So if you're if you're wherever you are mm -hmm. in life and maybe you're down about this coronavirus or maybe you think that there's not a, a future beyond this or, you know, maybe you're scared that your health is going to affect your, your long term. How do you, what's the 24-hour action item? What's the one thing we can do right now? Well, the first thing that I would suggest for anyone out there, for people who are, consider themselves religious, I would say pray. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be the first thing. Um, I like I, that answer. I'm from the yoga community. Um, shout out to Blue Sky Yoga in Monroe and Russell. Yes. Uh, My friend it, John works there. Who? John William. Yeah, I know John. I know okay. John with yeah. the glasses. Thin, yeah. thin so down. John Ray... I work with John Ray all okay. the, every, week, every week. Oh, that is so mm -hmm. awesome. What's up, John? But uh, Donna Ponder is a sweet, sweet friend of mine. Uh, Blue Sky Yoga has been very, very instrumental in my physical healing and my emotional healing. And um, I would say meditate, which is essentially prayer. I, I tease my religious friends and I tell them prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening. Mm. And so whatever... Whatever uh, your source of going within is, however you go within to find your inner peace, do that first and then approach everything in life from a proactive, productive and constructive point of view. So when you go out to eat or when you get hungry, we like to say comfort food. Well, comfort food is like comfort sex. You know, everything else, you know, we want something quick. We want something fast, cheap, and easy. But that's not what we want in a sexual partner. Because then you feel dirty. Oh, you feel used. Well, that's exactly what happens when I got Popeyes. And then 20 years later, I got diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So make those conscious choices that are going to affect you in the future. Understand that it's not only an ingestment but it is an investment mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying yes and so a lot you of gotta times... eat the right things drink the right things and then too you gotta distance yourself from toxic relationships we talking about social distancing but you know the people that you keep around you may be doing you the most harm emotionally even if it's family sometimes right you know and i learned that because i was in a toxic relationship that i had to step away from and that's painful let me say that I'm not going, I don't want anyone to sit here and believe that it was easy for me to divorce my ex-wife because I was unhappy in the marriage. I cried every night after I got divorced. I cried myself to sleep at night. And no, I'm not ashamed to sit here as a man and say that. That's another thing. Dudes act like we're not human. 
I did not know how broken I was on the inside until I started practicing yoga. Now, that's when you talk about when I couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. That's what led me to yoga. Mm -hmm. I had a really uh, traumatic accident. That was all my fault uh, about 2013. At the time, it seems like a good idea, but in retrospect, it was dumb as hell. (laughs) (laughs) I can laugh about it now. And you have to be able to laugh at yourself, but it left me with a severe spinal injury that over the course of five years led to me. Uh, February 16, 2018, I couldn't walk. I got out of bed and I couldn't walk. I couldn't take the steps to go to the bathroom. And um, and I sent my coworkers a text message. Um, what's up, Nurse Jessica? Uh, Lyle and Rachel Ann, what's happening? Those were my coworkers at the time. I work with special needs children mm-hmm. um, at Ruston High School. Uh, shout out to everybody at Ruston High School, especially my boy, Coach Alan Whitaker, Mrs. Simonton, those people who work directly with me, uh, Mr. Heron, Kevin Jackson, uh, who else? Talia Donna, Miss Hanton, all the ladies across the hall. I'm going to miss y'all while we out of school. But uh, what up, Rick? Rick worked next door, too. But uh, I sent him a text message and told him I wasn't going to be able to make it. And then I sat on my bed and then I started crying. And after about 26 seconds, uh, I wiped my face very aggressively and I said, and I quote, fuck this, I ain't about to be no bitch. Mm -hmm. That's what I said to myself. And in my fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi, yo to the noobs worldwide, uh, there is a saying that has to do with uh, an approach to difficult situations. And those of us who went through uh, the process known as scrolling, we are quite familiar with what that phrase is. And I said that in myself to my mind. Turquoise Daniels. Thank you, Turk. I said, man, Turk told me what I was supposed to say. And I got up and I got dressed and I Googled Blue Sky Yoga and I drove right there. And um, someone asked me, why didn't I go to the doctor? And I told him, because I wanted healing. I didn't want dope. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my friend Faith Hunter, who is an international yogi, hey Faith Faith, I love you so much, uh, so much Faith Faith, I love you so much. Whoo Faith Faith, mm, I'm getting emotional. Um, but Faith was very instrumental in me getting into yoga. Uh, she lost her brother due to um some blood related complications, hemophilia, and um, that emotional pain led her to yoga. And my friend Reggie Gray also led me to yoga. His yoga instructor broke his back, which is how he got into yoga. So I knew yoga could heal me. And so I went, and man, the first day, Malia, the first night after yoga was the first night in over six months I didn't have to sit on a bag of ice before I went to sleep. Wow. Yeah. And so I kept going. And I didn't realize, I went to fix my hip or my spine, but I didn't realize how broken I was on the inside. Mm-hmm. Until I kept going. And, and all these emotions just started coming out. And then um, on my yoga anniversary, <laughs> February 18th, <laughs> after the first year, uh, we did a community uh, yoga, uh, our studio, that evening to celebrate. Uh, and so Donna and some of the other ladies and some of the other men and women who practiced there came. We all, we had a vegan potluck because I'm vegan, so they bought the vegan food. And we meditated first for 20 minutes. And that was the first time I meditated. And Malia, I cried like a baby. Mm-hmm. It was so much stuff I was holding in uh, from my marriage, uh, from past relationships, you know, that type of pain that led me to... You know, not really being Leon anymore, but being whoever this 
this pain had created that lived behind this barrier, mm. you know, and I wasn't really letting people in, even if people social distance. And yeah, we were close physically, but we weren't connected emotionally because I had been so hurt that I had these barriers up. And even, even the shit I was mad at my mom and daddy about that I didn't even realize I was mad at them about, you know? And so it was such a healing and a cleansing. And so, no, I don't go to the gym every day. This is about sanity, not vanity. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't go there to look a certain way. It's just the results of it. You know, I don't go to yoga so I can be more flexible or do a handstand. You, it's my, it's my mental, physical, emotional therapy. That's why with this whole coronavirus thing, you know, this is my emotional therapy. This is how I, I deal with my emotional problems. This is how I deal with my stress. You know, when I go to the yoga studio, when I walk in, I exhale. That's my rest haven. That's my safe haven. The mm -hmm. same thing with the gym. I can work my problems out there. So, and the same thing with my food, you know, I was physically sick on the inside. And so the way I eat and the way I think about eating is a, how is this going to affect how I feel approach? Same thing with lifting. I'm not in there trying to set a world record, you know. I mean, I have an aggressive approach to exercise because I'm a competitor. I play sports, I play basketball in high school. I'm a competitor. I don't really like to turn down challenges. I will race you or arm wrestle you or have a thump, knuckle thumping <laughs> contest. I'm gonna win, damn it. <laughs> you know? But I think we have to think about what's best for us. And turn the TV off sometimes because the news yes. will make you afraid with this coronavirus thing. I'm a human being. I'm not gonna stop being a human being. I don't want to distance myself from other humans. Human beings are the only creatures that require Social. human interaction. Yes. That's why they put you in solitary confinement in prison when they want to punish you. You already in jail. They have taken your freedom or you have sacrificed that freedom. Whatever the case may be, you are locked up with the same sex. They want to take that. That's how important that connection is. So they put all the men over here, all the women over here. You don't have any freedom. You got to eat slop. Somebody got to tell you when to wake up, when to go to sleep, when to go to the bathroom, all of this stuff. And now, if that's not punishment enough, you're not doing what we want to do or you're being disruptive or you're being an asshole. We got some even greater punishment. We're going to put you by yourself. We're going to put you by yourself. And I'm an extreme introvert. I mean, extrovert. So that is torture. Just the thought of that right. in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So we've got to not let all of this chaos and all of this disorder disrupt our lives because we'll act out upon that. That's not an easy thing to do. And that's why I'm all in favor of yoga because it has helped me find that, that central space of peace. So in the midst of chaos, the first thing I do now is breathe. You know, we all have a fight or flight mentality and I don't have a drop of flight. And it got me in trouble in a lot of different ways. I have a fight mentality because first of all, I ain't no punk, you know. And let me say this. I think how we grow up affects the roles that we play in life. You know, I was a small kid, thin, you know, I was always a cute little boy. So people think you're soft. You know, the more handsome you are as a man, 
the less masculine society tries to act as if you are, which makes a lot of guys who are handsome a little bit overly aggressive sometimes. It's almost like Napoleon complex to a degree. You know, sure, you're adored by women, but even some of them may think you soft. The ugly ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a shot at y'all. Nah, yeah. <laughs> but whatever the case may be. So it made me very aggressive, you know. So I had, the, I had a fight first mentality. So if something is attacking me, I'm thinking psychologically you're attacking me because you have whatever predisposed notion of who I am. So let me go change this. And so through yoga and through awareness and through meditation, and uh, there's a great book called The Four Agreements, I think that everybody should read, Don Miguel Ruiz. It actually put me on uh, the start to my path. Uh, I can't remember the young lady's name who turned me on to that, but I'm ever so grateful to her for that. But The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, one of the first things that that book teaches us is that it's not about you. And so once I learned that people's reactions to everything, including my own reaction to those things, were all about me, Mirrors. what I was feeling, what I was thinking. And so when I changed my thinking, then I was able to change my lifestyle, which meant that I'm only going to eat foods that make me feel a certain way and make my body respond and react a certain way. I'm only going to do the types of exercises in the gym that make my body feel a certain way and respond and react a certain way. And the yoga practice teaches me that everything I do should make me feel a certain way, which is feeling good. And how do I respond and react to those things in my life off the mat? I respond with peace. I respond with breath. Because the first thing we do in a moment of fear is... <gasps> Now you just stop breathing. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing those things, now I... And then I try to approach it from there. Because if we bring all that anxiety in, we're just going to let anxiety out. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. That's why I practice all the time. Mm -hmm. but, so what are some of the things that you're doing right now to um, expand yourself during these quarantines? And uh -huh. you know, what are the things that you're... Because it is, it is probably responsible to prepare and be aware. And mm -hmm. but, what are some of the the activities that you're doing to expand yourself in this crisis? I guess. Okay, indeed, indeed. Uh, the things that I am doing, I am uh, right now thinking and strategizing for ways for me to be more independent financially. I think that. What this is going to do, instead of make us afraid, it should make us think. Uh, I think yes. What I think what yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I think what you're doing here with the podcast is fantastic. Uh, I think we have to find um, what's the progressive. That's a good word. Progressive ways of making money, because there are people like myself who, um, you know, I do. I do. I, I live behind the microphone. You know, I work with special needs children. Everything I do in life, even how I make my money, involves social interaction. Um, the world is changing because we love technology. Um, there is good and there is bad in that. Um, I don't ever want to lose human connection. I don't ever want to lose that. 
But I think that uh, what we're seeing is we're seeing the same thing that happened to uh, where did we used to get the movies from, y'all? Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Thank you. And I used to manage a music store. So when that whole thing where people could get music off the internet, it it eliminated brick and mortar music stores. I still like to read liner notes and I want to know which, you know, saxophone is played on this song because I may be a fan of them too. I may want to know who was the writer on this. So then I can find out who's writing all these great songs, which is how I found out who Diane Warren is. And if you don't know who she is, Google her. She has written some of the most fantastic love songs ever written. And all of them have gone to number one. And she started writing because she was faced with a dilemma, uh, like we all are right now. Not necessarily a quarantine, but she had gone through a divorce. Now she's a single mother. She's got multiple children. And I think she might have been in education and she started writing songs as a means of supplementing her income. And one of the first songs she really got a check for was the DeBarge group Rhythm of the Night. Feel the beat of the rhythm of the night. Dance until the morning light. If you know that song, you're old as my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think we got to find alternative ways. So... You know, and social media makes this easy. I um, am very grateful for the opportunity to still have a connection with the young people <clears throat> via Ruston High and Grambling State. And I always tell the kids who are in mass come. You know, I was I had uh, I was one interview away from making uh, one of the real worlds. If you guys remember wow. the MTV Real World, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I had a cam party and I sent in a little tape and they called and I did a phone interview. And then they were like, well, if we like you, you we're going to have such and such call you. And then somebody else called me. And then I didn't make that cut because the next call would have been like, okay, get on the plane and come here for the physical interview. Wow. But now you can just create your own brand via social media. Uh, entities like this with the podcast, uh, I'm Facebook Live, entities like that, Instagram and, and um, Twitter and Snapchats and YouTubes and all of these different avenues, especially those kids out there who have great ideas and tons of personality. And that's the first thing. But the, the most important thing is you've got to believe you can. Well, I was going to say that. Okay, so we are working on a Shark Tank 318 edition, <laughs> and we have put out there for April the 25th for people to come and show up and show us their talents. Um, how do we get those kids like out of their comfort zones and to have the confidence that you're speaking of to go and show up and do, show us what they can do, I guess. Well, I think the first thing when we talk about children <clears throat> and young people, I think that we have to pour into their talents, whether we like them or not, or whether we agree with them. You know, one of the most disturbing things that I have heard uh, here in recent memory is uh, one of my uh, one of the people who does yoga at the studio that I practice said that I want to say, yeah, that. I think their child, her child was going to college and I think she wanted to major in theater uh, because she wanted to be a screenwriter or a screen. She wanted to major in screenwriting and they were disappointed. 
you know, they were disappointed. And as someone who was a theater major, someone who really didn't want to go to college, I wanted to go straight to acting school. I've always known what I wanted to do. You know, a lot of times parents can't see the talent. They can't recognize the talent. But the worst thing is when they don't want to pour into the talent. See, it's that type of attitude that leads people into jobs that they hate and lives that they hate. And then you want to know why your mama drink all the time. It's because she didn't want to be a goddamn accountant. She wanted to be an artist. She wanted to be a poet. She wanted to be a dancer, you know. But we get so caught up in how much goddamn money you going to make. She going to make enough money to support the kind of lifestyle she wants. That's how much money she's going to make. That big ass house on the hill don't make you happy. Every person I know with a lot of money got a whole lot of goddamn problems that they would easily trade off for. If we get into it, when I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, I sold cars for a living and I made a lot of money. I made a lot of money. I want to say, I'm talking about, I didn't make under 80 grand when I sold BMWs. I did not make under 80 grand. We would go out and I would blow a grand at the strip club. Shout out to Pinup. (laughs) <laughs> and go back the next day and make two G's. What up, Ray Peters? What up, Tanzil? Man, we was getting what up, Adrian? Man, we, uh, Adrian Avila, we was getting that guap. Reggie Johnson, Stan McCuro. They were putting money on cars. Anybody sell a five series, get 200 a day. I'm selling three of them bitches right now. Come get this five series, man. We got to get these off the lot. I'm leaving with 600 cash and fits. What we call in the car business, that's that mama don't know money. <laughs> yeah, I don't sold on y'all. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was making a lot of money, but I was not really happy. And I remember uh, selling cars in Dallas. I had moved to Dallas. And when I had the accident that led to the spinal injury, I was actually leaving Dallas to come back home. And I came back home, <clears throat> this was 2013. And so I got back in the school system. I got on the sub list. And so uh, Grambling High School, shout out to Big Coach. Big Coach, thank you so much. Big Coach uh, gave me my first job uh, in the uh, in the, in the educational system. But uh, I started subbing. And shout out to Stanley Lewis, who, because he was at I. Lewis. And I. Lewis had me working so much that the kids thought I was on the staff. And so my mama asked me one day, she said, baby, what are you going to do? I said, I'm about to get back on the radio. I had my mind made up in 2013. I had done so many things. I had had different types of jobs. And they were mostly sales jobs. And I did really well at them in terms of making money. But I wasn't passionate about it. It left me feeling empty. I was just working to make money. You know, I wasn't giving any part of myself to make the world a better place. And that was something that was important to me. And it wasn't a passion of mine. You know, when when you are a mass comm major, for the kids out there who are mass comm majors, or liberal arts, let's go all of that. Anything that is liberal arts. If you have a child that is a liberal artist, they are not choosing a major. They are following a passion. They are following a passion. And I told my mama, that day, and my daddy, I said, let me tell y'all something. I'm about to get back on the mic. I said, and when I get through, it ain't going to be a motherfucker around here on the mic except me. Ta-da. 
Taha Daha. I had my mind made up and I knew what I wanted to do. And a lot of that entails maybe volunteering your services. A lot of the things that I do, I don't get paid for doing. I don't ask for money to do. I didn't ask you for a check. I asked you to let me be on the radio. I asked you to let me be on the mic. The only check I really need is a mic check. And then I'll get a mic mm -hmm. check after that. So you have to support the things that your children want to do. If you have a kid that wants to be an artist, that may be the next Vincent Van Gogh. That may be the next Picasso. But you just can't tell them that that's a major that they should major in because you think they can make a, bunch, a much better living majoring in encryption or some shit like that. Well, I don't care about that shit. You know, get out of here with that foolishness. I mean, the three of us are in this room right now doing things that we probably did in high school or college. You know, the reason, case in point, how I got into all of this is simply, and this is how life comes full circle. I wanted to announce the band in high school. <laughs> I wanted to announce the band in high school and here I am 30 plus years past wanting to announce the Grambling High Band now I'm the Grambling State Band announcer you know and around here that's that's a, a title I wear with great pride I mean you're the voice of the world fame you know come on man that's that's the Grambling Band that's amazing that is that is a, but my parents were very supportive there were and my friends I didn't get my driver's license until after my 20s. I think I was out of college. And my parents and all of my homeboys, what up, LG? They drove me to KRUS and dropped me off every day it, because LT was on the radio. I didn't get to go to Freak Nick. I didn't get to go to Capital Beach Party. You were working. I was working, and so you got to make those sacrifices. But it wasn't a sacrifice because I would have much rather be on the radio. I didn't even know they were going to pay me to be on the radio I'm 16, 17. I got an interview at the radio station. I don't know. I'm thinking I'm going to have to go buy radio equipment if they hire me. I just wanted to do this. And I didn't even know I was going to get a check. So if you got a kid that, that, that is that passionate about acting. And I, the first time I was ever on the stage telling jokes, I was fourth grade. I've always known I wanted to be an actor and a comedian and do something behind the microphone to entertain people, you know. I love doing it. And if you have a kid that's an artist, I have a friend. Shout out to Whitney Caskey. If y'all don't know who Whitney is, she is a, a, a tattoo artist. And artist, I use that liberally because what she does is she brings images to life on your skin. It is absolutely amazing. She works at University Inc., in uh, Ruston, Louisiana, but she's probably on uh, Instagram as well. So I know she's on here. But I've seen some of her posts. We go to Blue Sky together. But I've seen some of her posts talking about, you know, people were trying to deter her from majoring in art. And what are you going to do with an art degree? And this, that, the other. She's going to make enough money to support the kind of lifestyle she wants to have and have her happiness and have her peace. And I wake up every morning having to take some type of drugs, because that's what pills are, drug to go to work and go home and drown her pain in alcohol and unhealthy food. You know, we have to live inside of the the body and the mind and the spirit and the soul that we were given. When we are turned in a different direction, you can't find that joy. You can't. Mm -hmm. For me, it started with making the decision to get out of the toxic relationship. And that was hard 
because I come from a, a religious family and, you know, divorce. Whoa, you know, my mother and I have a very, very close relationship. I was an only child for eight years and my mother and I shared the same exact personality. So our relationship is is closer than most men and their mothers, even boys who think that they're close to their mother. I have mother. a little boy, he's eight. Yeah, we yeah. We're very close. The first time I caught a venereal disease, I showed my mama my penis. Right. And I was old <laughs> enough to be having sex, which is too old to be showing your mama your woo. <laughs> so that's how close my mother and I are. And so, you know, it was easy for me to talk to my mama and share those things that I wanted to do. My mama was a theater major. You know, traveled all over the United States of America back then with the Floyd L. Sandal players um, at Grambling State with the Raisin in the Sun. She turned down several opportunities to be on soap operas. And my father turned down several opportunities to be a professional gospel singer. So I got it, honestly. Mm -hmm. But just because they didn't want to pursue those passions doesn't mean that I don't want to. <laughs> you know, right. and that's what we got to understand those gifts and those talents that your children have. You probably got them. They got it from you, mm -hmm. you know, and they see how miserable you are. Your babies can tell you ain't happy. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who told me that when she divorced, her children came to her and said, Mama, we are so glad that you finally were able to to leave daddy. Mm -hmm. You know, and she said that was just such a weight off of her shoulders because she was trying to hold it together for the kids. Your kids are no fool. Mm. So stop living the kind of life that you were told you should and sacrifice your happiness and live the life that you want to. It's okay. You got to be bold enough to do that because it's sink or swim. Because mm -hmm. how you feel is going to lead to those choices. If you don't feel good about yourself, you're not going to put good things in your body. When people say, oh, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah, I do. I love myself too much to do that to me. So what do you put in your body? I know you were talking about how you use all natural yes, hair yes, products yes. and beard products and deodorant. and Shout um, out anything. to Parker Dash, Rain Beard Care. What up, Parker? <laughs> Got to shout out all my boys. Now, is it more expensive to live all naturally? And like, how do you know what products to use? And right, 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 right. Um, as far as the expensive part I think eating out is expensive uh, and plant-based eating out is going to be much more expensive because it's less uh, it's less bullshit vegan food out there you know I'm not saying that you can't go to a restaurant and eat a really quality steak but uh, drive-through Arby's Burger King type that's the low totem pole. And while I'm on this, don't let me forget to I want to say this while I'm on the subject. Uh, black folks out there listening, it's time for us to charge Ving Rhames up on these damn Arby's commercials and this cooning that he's doing on now. Y'all heard these Arby's commercials. We need, uh, we need to bring the drop squad back for, for him and D-Wade. Okay, now, but back to the point. Um... I don't think it's that much more expensive when you when you buy food. I think if you pay attention to the quarantine and what is happening in the stores, because of how I eat, there's certain things that I buy and certain things that I don't. A lot of it's fresh produce. What produce will spoil? Well, what about the quality non-perishables? You go in Walmart, you go in Super One, you go in any of these grocery stores. Now, there are no dry beans on the shelves. Wow. That shit costs less than $2 for a bag. You can get a bag of beans for $1.17. Mm -hmm. 
there are no dry beans on the shelves. I know because I buy them every week. Obviously, y'all don't buy them every week. Oh, but when the world about to come to an end, you don't have no problem buying beans. All of a sudden, shit ain't so expensive. It depends on what you're going to be buying and if you're going to be cooking. And I think that regardless of how you eat, you should be cooking. Because we could talk about the way that our parents and grandparents ate. and Oh, and how my grandmama lived to be 273 and she ate pork every day. Yeah, but she went to the backyard to get her pork not to the drive through to get her pork. Right. She got her chicken from the backyard when she went out there and wrung his neck and chopped his head off and picked him and boiled him and all that other stuff. I've seen all that done. I'm from the country. <clears throat> but it wasn't through the drive through You know, their food sources were right there. And I think we should get back to that, growing our own food. And if you want animals to eat, raise those animals to eat. Because now you are taking sole responsibility of everything you put in your body. So I think we got to get back to cooking. That's the first thing. And and then you got to eat food that has a single ingredient. The only thing in an apple is apple. The only thing in a banana is banana. And I think we got to start making choices. And for me, I can't quit anything cold turkey. I've never tried to. Uh, case in point, I like chips. I love them. I like chips. So I stopped eating and this was a long process. I stopped eating the regular potato chips, and then I went to the kettle. And then once I got away from the kettle, I went to the vegan chips. Then I started looking for other types of vegan chips. Okay, these are blue corn, and this is a sweet potato potato chip. I'm trying to get closer and closer away to that which is healthier and farther and farther away from that which is not. And then it got to a point to where, okay, now I'm on nuts. Because we like flavors and we like textures. So it was the crunch. So, okay, now I'm on the nuts. Okay, now I know I don't need to always be eating uh, honey roasted nuts. Uh, nuts nuts with all kind of flavors and spices on them. Okay, well, now I'm going to go to the, to the dry roasted unsalted. I've made it away from the salt. Okay, and then I finally have made it to the raw nuts. But it was a process. Mm -hmm. It was a process of, of slow elimination. The same thing with meat. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm through eating meat. At first, it was, okay, I'm going to cut out fried food. Well, that eliminated beef for me because the only thing I was pretty much eating was a hamburger. You know, as far as my beef intake. And so then I cut out pork because I was a pork eater. In my household, we ate pork for every meal. We had pork. Sausage we had pork and sausage. Uh, not really big on bacon. We had pork sausage, patty and link. Um, sometimes both. Uh, my dad is from the country. Grew up on a sharecropper's farm, so they had pigs, and so we ate pork chops maybe for dinner, uh, baked or fried. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it was always some type of pork. There was always ham. There was always some type of pork in our household. You know, even if you wanted to have sandwiches, there was pressed ham in the household. So there was always pork. So pork was a big thing for me. And so then I cut out pork. And then after I was able to cut out beef and then I was able to cut out pork, I was already away from fry. It got down to poultry and seafood. So I was eating chicken. I was eating fish. I was eating turkey. I was eating shrimp and oysters, things that grew in the water. 
you know, and because I'm in Louisiana, you could go to places and get those seafoods and they didn't have to be fried. They could be baked or roasted or smoked or steamed, but it was still seafood and it was still delicious. And for those of you out there listening or watching, uh, you have no clue how cheap turkeys are in January. <laughs> My brother and I would be walking out of there, <laughs> the grocery store with whole turkeys under our arm because the shelves are loaded during Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's the only time the sales really big. So then in January, they got this overload of turkeys they got to get rid of. Well, if you're baking and grilling turkey, that's ideal. So just like, you know, I'm pretty sure you've seen a drunk chicken. You know how to make a drunk chicken? You know what that yeah, is? Okay. With a beer. Yeah, yeah. You can do the same with the turkey. We used to do the drunk turkey. I told my brother, man, they do drunk chicken. I'm going to do a drunk turkey. So I would buy a 22-ounce or 24-ounce can, drink some of that off, and stand the turkey on that. So once we decided, and it was my brother, and it was December of 07, he said, hey, man, start of the year, I'm going back to vegetarian. And this is where support comes in, and this is where accountability comes in. I was already dealing with health issues. I was already making a transition. And when my brother said that, I thought, hmm. I said, you know what, man? It don't make no sense for us to be sharing living quarters and have a separate bill of grocery. Plus, it's better for me, too. Damn it, I'm doing it, too, brother. And So you had that accountability partner. Right. Kind of but then I had to be accountable to myself. Whether or not I was ready, and this is in every regard. Whether or not I was ready, the opportunity was there for me to do something that was good for myself and I knew it. Now, did I want to stay in my comfort zone and keep, oh, I feel better? I don't feel 100% well, and I know that this is better for me. So why do we want to get to a point where we hang on to some of the shit that's fucking us up? We want to hang on to just enough of the stuff that's bad for us. To not really give it up. So when people tell me, oh, everything in moderation. Yeah, well, I don't want to be moderately sick. Hmm. I don't want to be sick at all. So that part, I'm not going to deal with. Control what you can. I can control what I eat. And then what happened is as we started moving into that, I hadn't given up dairy. And that was a huge obstacle for the both of us. My brother was a big time cheese lover. I like ice cream. I still eat vegan ice cream occasionally. Hadn't had... Any vegan ice cream in eight months. I'm proud of myself. But um, because, you know, they don't sell them small. You got to get a whole pint. And I don't want to eat the whole thing. And then I don't want to have it in my house and get comfortable with having that temptation there. So, you know, that was one of the other things. We stopped bringing things. My brother and I lived together in Atlanta after my divorce. And we stopped bringing things that would be tempting into the home. So if I wanted the ice cream, I would go buy one of those little ones with the wooden spoon. You know, mm -hmm. and that would be my ice cream fix. And one day, I just thought, you know, man, if we're trying to be healthy, this don't make no whole lot of sense. And I told my brother, because his thing was cheese. I said, man, you know what? If we're not eating chicken, why are we eating unborn chicken feeders? Because that's essentially what an egg is. Every time you crack an egg, you're committing chicken abortion. Whether you like it or not. Chicken abortion. <laughs> I should stand in front of I should go stand in front of your uh, chicken coop with a sign. <laughs> with the 
checking life again. <laughs> but I said, man, why we eating unboiled chicken fetus? I said, if we're not eating beef, why are we drinking cow's milk? What we trying to miss from the chicken is in the egg. What we trying to miss from the cow is in the milk. I said, man, why don't we just cut it all out? And that was just, it was just, I was standing in the kitchen cooking. And he was leaning on the counter. And he looked at me and he was like, you know what, brother? Fuck it, let's do it. And that was how we started our journey. Just being honest with ourselves and trying to head in the direction of optimal health. There is no way. And he says it often. He says, man, there is no way that I would have continued to exercise and work out like I do if I was doing it to lose weight. See, we, we are so concerned about what we can see. We don't care nothing about how we feel. Mm. You know, people will get on any, like this whole keto thing. That shit gonna still clog your damn arteries. I don't care how much weight you lose. And you'll be around here leaving a good looking corpse because your ass will be dead because you don't want to eat what you are supposed to eat. And for my religious community, God does not make food for the species that is harmful. Animals aren't living out there eating foods and that are making them sick unless they are domesticated or in the zoo. Your pets have the same diseases you have because they eat the same crap you eat. You don't have animals with VD in the wilderness. You don't have animals with arthritis in the wilderness. You don't ever see that. But come to your house, your damn dog got a whole cast on. Oh, she's old. You should be eating that shit you feeding her. That wolf out there, 210, and he'll run your ass uh, two miles. You see what I'm saying? So we got to be honest. And in the Bible, in Genesis 1.29, it says, I have given ye every seed-bearing plant and every herb upon the face of the earth for you this shall be meat. I know what happened later on. The only time that God ordained man to eat any meat was after the great flood. That was the first time. And then later on, I think it may have been in Ecclesiastes where the children of Israel were in captivity and they were murmuring for the pots of their captors. And God said, cool, you can have that, but you will get leanness and disease, sickness and disease. So, hey, people like to do a Daniel fast at the beginning of the year. Daniel was not fasting. Daniel was not fasting. Stop lying on Daniel. It is not a Daniel fast. It was a Daniel lifestyle because he didn't get out of jail and go back to churches. No, it was a lifestyle. And there was a clarity that came with that lifestyle, which is why he could interpret dreams, which is why the king sent for him. And that's what he told God. Say, cuz, why don't y'all drink the wine and eat the meat and let me and my boys, we just gonna have the water and the vegetables and give us a month and see what's up. That's what the interpretation is. So it wasn't a fast, it was a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So if you want the benefits of the lifestyle, you must immerse into the lifestyle. Ain't no, no way I could see how fine Daniel was or what kind of six pack he had or what he looked like with his shirt off or did we hear people complimenting him on how handsome or fine or fit he was? No, the king sent for him because he could interpret dreams. 
His value to the king came from the lifestyle he was living, which was highly based upon what he was putting into his body, the temple. Hmm. And that's in the word for my religious community who like to skim over the Bible and read what you want to read and only concern about what people are doing with their genitalia. Because the only time y'all want to come out is when somebody having sex or they having sex with somebody you don't think they should be having sex with. <laughs> uh, as many folk as you, the too many folk for y'all, you know, that's the only time you come out. So there's more to religion than who's having sex, folk, you know. So, okay, so now prepping for the coronavirus. Yes. So the things that you've done are preparing oh your mind um, and you're buying apparently beans and plant-based food that yeah, you're going to cook. Yeah, I've got beans. I've got lentils, quinoa, lots of frozen produce, lots of fresh produce, and lots of water, of course. But I usually drink, on an average day, I usually drink eight to ten bottles of water each day. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then, too, you know, I think we have to progressively train our bodies. I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I do a lot of long-term fasting, and that's because it's good for the body. You can actually, after three days of fasting, the immune system almost resets itself. Right. You know, we have good cells and bad cells. And so if you don't feed them, the good cells will go throughout your body looking for things that it doesn't need to eat. Mm-hmm. And if it sees some bad cells, you may have a... Uh, tumor developing it'll just eat that away you know so it's like you got the 300 inside of your body mm-hmm. going to protect spot how so often should somebody do that because i've been doing a lot of reading on, mm-hmm. on that so how long do you well i think that you know i i like to continue to increase my challenges if you will mm-hmm. it's the same way i do in in the gym culture i take a lot of my practices in in iron training and in yoga and apply them to my life so if i want to get stronger in the gym i progressively train and that could be increasing the weight that could be increasing the repetitions that could be decreasing the time in which uh i do all of the activity it could be the tempo at which i do the exercise so it's the same thing with eating when i first started doing intermittent fasting I started with an eight to eight. So I'm going to eat at eight. I'm going to eat between eight and eight. And so I'm not going to eat anything after 8 p.m., anything before 8 a.m. And then after that got easy, I moved the time up. So now it's nine. Mm -hmm. And then when that got easy, I moved the time up. And so because certain you start eating at eight and you end at at seven or eight. No, I may go eight to eight. Then I may go nine to eight. Then 10 to eight. Then 11 to eight. So forth and so on. So I'm at a point now where I typically don't eat anything until 1 p.m. And during normal times when we're not dealing with what we're dealing with across the nation, across the country, the world, um, I'm at school. So I work out before school and then I work with special needs children and we take our children to the weight room between 12 and 1. Some of them take to it like a fish to water. Uh, Guys we had last year had training books and gloves and they were working out you know essentially with us you know these were my workout partners you know even though I was teaching them so I get another workout then and then I eat and so but it's taken time for me to push my body to that and then the greater challenge is I don't eat anything cooked until typically after 7 p.m. but again with the spinal injury introducing me to yoga 
and I started practicing yoga daily, I learned that I could not breathe as deeply or as freely if I had eaten cooked food. Hmm. And so my purpose for going to yoga was not to look cute and not to get flexible and not to be able to do a damn handstand to put on Instagram. It was to heal my body and to heal my spine. So because that was my priority, I didn't want to put food that was cooked in front of that. Because the priority for me was to get better, not to eat something. So if that meant, it it was so hard for me to go all day and not eat anything every day. So I said, okay, let me see if I don't eat anything cooked. How will my body respond? So and what I'm hearing you say is you're kind of testing yourself. Yes, you know, you you're have practicing to. and kind of. I'm taking the things that I would do in the gym. You know, okay, well maybe if I do eight reps before I try this heavier weight as opposed to twelve reps, I'll have a little more in the tank. Mm-hmm. And so let me see what works. So now I don't eat until one o'clock, but I don't eat any cooked food at all until the evening and because my first yoga class is typically at 5:45 I give myself an eating window of 1 to 4 and that will consist of apples, bananas, uh, citrus fruits, nuts, seeds, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Coach Wilder can know, Miss Simon to know they they we've been working together this our second year and they see me bring my little great lunch box in there. I got six bottles of water. I got all of my Herbs that I like to take for health um, and my fruit. But I like to take, uh, I take elderberry for people out there. Um, elderberry is it's basically like a shield for your immune system. I take ashwagandha. Ashwagandha um, is very popular in, um, in the bodybuilding culture, especially for guys who don't like to necessarily supplement with stuff you could typically buy at a commercial supplement place. Uh, but it helps the body deal with stress of all types, physical, mental, and emotional. Um, I take CBD oil. Um, I am pro-cannabis. I am pro-cannabis recreational as well as medicinal. You can't separate the two. The first rule of medicine is do no harm, not don't get high. Because pills will get your ass higher than Rick James and Keith Richardson at Woodstock together. <laughs> so... I am pro that. Yeah, I take CBD oil. I also take activated charcoal. It is actually, um, it's a, it removes toxins from the body. If you ever get alcohol poisoning or food poisoning, the first thing they're going to do if you go to the emergency room is pump you full of charcoal. Because what activated charcoal does is it binds to toxins. And when you have a bowel movement, when they come out, they pull the toxins out as well. Mm. And the ancient Egyptians thought that uh, activated charcoal was led to greater health and vitality. Mm-hmm. And um, also aloe vera is good for that internally, externally. Aloe vera gel is great. Also, this thing that we have now is a respiratory illness. So I would stay away from dairy products. Uh, dairy creates mucus in the body, which affects your breathing. Um, you need some mullen, M-U-L-L-E-N, I think is how you spell it, but you can buy it in a tea. It's actually good for asthma, good for breathing. Um, uh, dandelion as well. You can find that, like the dandelion. You can find that also in the tea form. And you can never get enough of this. H2O, water, water, water. I'm reading a book called You're Not Sick, You're Thirsty. 
Your body's mm. hidden cries for water. It was written by a medical doctor, and it talks about how many diseases and sicknesses, asthma, that we have that can simply be cured by increasing H2O intake. Right. So, you know, those types of things um, I try to do daily, but what I'm doing right now is trying to get a plan of attack. I'm going to keep eating the way I am, and I think a lot of the things <clears throat> that I've been doing have prepared me for this. I've trained my body to drink lots and lots and lots of water. Um, I've trained my body to be able to function off very little food because I'm, I'm eating from one to four before. I, and I, I stop at four, four thirty at the latest because I have yoga at five forty five. I want to make sure that I'm completely empty so that I can move and breathe mm -hmm. because the poses in yoga, although they're designed, they're designed for several ways. One of the reasons they are the way they are is they're supposed to be difficult to put you in a difficult situation so that you can focus on the breath while it is that you're doing this pose so that when you find yourself in a stressful situation in life off the mat, you won't lose your cool, you'll remain poised. Mm -hmm. Also, they're designed to have a physical effect, healing effect on your body. And since that's what I was in search of, if there is something impeding me from reaching the area I need to get to, to greater healing, even if <clears throat> the increase in how I feel would be as small as that of a mustard seed. That's what I'm seeking each day. I want to feel just a little bit better than I felt the day before. And that's the only thing that has enabled me to keep going through this uh, journey yeah. for the past two and a half years with the spinal injury because it's my spine was impacted, so it was knocked down. I took a hit on the top of my head that left me uh, needing 13 staples. It split me wide open to the white meat. Wow. And blood running down. And then when I landed on my back, um, you know how when the driveway and the carport meet, there is a change. Maybe it's not even. Well, when I fell, I fell back on my back, on my right hip, on the uneven concrete, which essentially turned the spine. So the spine was impacted and twisted. And the spine is a cord. So if a cord is twisted, that twist is going to go all the way up. And so um, I have not used drugs to uh, help me deal with any other pain. I don't put that crap in my body. Not an ibuprofen. No, I don't do that. Uh, I have. Just wait. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I, will, I will say this. The, on that note, I have several massage therapists. I have uh, a chiropractor that is phenomenal. He's also an acupuncturist. Dr. Larry Horn, El Dorado, Arkansas, and an amazing dude. He's a character and a half, but he's a, he's a funny dude, but I love him to death. Um, my doctor, if you will, if I have one, is uh, Caroline Yakubowski here in West Monroe Natural Wellness Center. Dr. Yak is my girl. Um, yoga has been my therapy. So all of the ladies at Blue Sky Yoga, um, even those that teach in Monroe, I've taken classes at all of the places, at both studios, and they've all been very essential in my healing process, but specifically those at Blue Sky, because I get to talk to them about their journey in yoga, um, how it helped them, you know, and everybody who came to yoga came because of some sort of pain, most of them, be it physical, emotional, or both, 
But it was to help them heal. It was to and help if somebody them wants to do that in quarantine, like what are the what's the solutions for that? Man, you know they got a lot of yoga online. on YouTube and online. And uh, my girl Faith Hunter has uh, a lot of stuff online because I used to do what I call Faith Yoga. I would watch Faith and try to do what she did. Mm-hmm. And I'll go to some of the sites. What led me to yoga was I knew that it was good for healing, so I would find yoga for hips. And so I would do some of the poses and some of the movements. But I would say, yeah, during this time. Find a quiet space, even if you got to get outside, and start practicing some of the yoga on YouTube. I may even do some. I may get with Donna and we'll do some little stuff and put it on my Facebook and on the. And how do we find you? So okay, so what I'm hearing you say is meditate or listen. You know, you were yes, saying yes, that yes, that's yes, yes, if you were equal in it into like a, a Christian's perspective, right. like listen for the Lord's guidance. Yes, Go yes, inside. Yes. Um, spend some time creating an action plan mm-hmm. and then start taking some actions to just incremental action steps right. along the way. Well, I think that we don't understand. I think we take for granted how important the vessel that the body is. I think we take that for granted. I think so much of society, and I was guilty of that. My parents are guilty of that. You know, when we talk about generational curses, it ain't necessarily because everybody in your family got cancer or everybody in your family got diabetes. Everybody in your family makes reckless decisions. Together. Together. And call it celebrating or fellowship. But but not even with that. I think children learn what they live. Mm -hmm. And so my parents never invested in their health from a diet nor exercise perspective, nor dealing with stress in the manner in which I deal with it, uh, and which all led to unhealthy practices and bad health for me. I think that the most important things that we have to do is we have to understand that we can't leave our health to chance or hope. Mm -hmm. And I mean, God may do a lot of things, but but God don't keep you from getting sick. If you pouring crap in your body Mm -hmm. and you know, because you wouldn't have to pray for your health if you took better care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned a couple times, Leon, um, investing in yourself and I'm an investor. Okay. I invest in small business. I invest in young people. I invest in real estate. You know, I love to invest and create things. And so just hearing, and I've used that as a montage over the years, what investment, whenever I'm trying to die and trying to do better, I'll ask myself that, you know, what investments did I make in my health today? And I fall so short. And so it's really just like deciding, like, I'm not gonna, or I'm gonna, and also that it's a process and a journey because Mm -hmm. you're saying, don't do it to lose weight, do it as a path to holistic living and- Well, you know, for me, this too, I'm the eldest male. In my family, small family. My mom has one sister. My aunt Lorraine, hey T. Uh, my cousin Princetta and I are three weeks apart in age, uh, and I was born two weeks late. I like to tease her, uh, her son, and tell him, man, you know your mom and I are three weeks apart in age, and I was two weeks late. He's like, yeah, man, she told me that. I say, you know that mean that my mom and your grandma was talking about fucking, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah. But uh, we have a very close knit family. And because I'm the eldest male, I take on a lot of responsibility on my own. I think it is my responsibility. I didn't pick to be the oldest boy, but because I am, there's some responsibility that goes along with that. A lot of people like to shun their responsibilities because they didn't choose them. Some things are your cross. Some things are your crops. Deal with it and move forward. Mm -hmm. I can't be of any benefit to the people who love and depend upon me if I'm the one sick. 
Right. You can't be a good mama when you sick all the damn time. You can't be a good father when you sick all the damn time. You can't be of any help to your elderly parents when you are sick all the damn time because you can't control what you put in your mouth. That is reckless and irresponsible. You do not want to leave the people that you love with the memory of your suffering. Whatever pain you feel when you think about your grandmama who had to get that leg cut off or was laying up in the hospital or your granddaddy or whoever it is that when you think of them, you think about the pain that you feel from watching them suffer. Not the fact that they died because we all going to die. I'm not trying not to die. I'm trying not to suffer while I'm here. And I don't want to leave my brother, my cousin, her son or anybody else that loves me with those emotions, nor the responsibility of having to care for me after I have not cared for myself. Mm. That is reckless and that is irresponsible and it has got to stop. It is not the responsibility of the magic man in the sky. It is the responsibility of your ass mm. on the ground. You know, so you have to think when I decide to eat this donut or these donuts, how is that going to affect me years from now? When my little girl got to be sitting up in the waiting room waiting for them to cut my damn leg off. Mm -hmm. Or when I can't make love to my woman no more. Y'all think it is a game. But if my penis stop working, you can throw dirt on me. <laughs> hey, I want my casket to look like this. <laughs> Y'all can't see that on the podcast, but Malia can. <laughs> I want my casket to look like that. But you know... I think we can, where are your priorities? If you are a man and you have a woman in your life, part of your priority is satisfying her sexually, whether you are non-religious or otherwise. And if you can't do that, then you are leaving her unsatisfied. So you're not fully living up to your duties. It's only so much that your bank account can do for your damn woman. <laughs> Come okay, on. I Come like on. it. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. And how can you see about your parents? I have elderly parents who, who, who are ill. I have to take care of them. Otherwise, why am I here? I moved home. Part of the reason the 51% was to see about my parents. I cannot afford to be sick. I have too much responsibility. Same thing with being crippled. I can't afford to be crippled. Mm -hmm. I am preparing myself for the responsibilities that I have. Yes. And that's what you got to think, you know, when you want to eat this, you know, are you going to be able to always, you always want to be a hundred percent for the people who love you. So you have to get proper rest. You have to get the right kinds of foods in your body and slowly eliminate them. You can't do it overnight, but you have to be right and exact in your mind and accountable to yourself and say, I know that I don't need to be going to get these chicken strips. Right. I know that. Okay, so I think what I'm hearing you say, so I'm one of these people that are like all or nothing. I'm either like fully in. I go somewhere between, <laughs> between all in good, but I'm also between right. like, you know. Um, you all the way in. I'm all the way in. Uh, so all I'm the way out. That's right. And so like, how do you, well, what, how do I do it? Well, what you have to do is you have to be patient with yourself. Yeah. Um, and keep getting back on the horse. Even right, right, gets. right. You, you can't stop. And I mean, that attitude is a lot like my attitude and it comes with people who are high achievers. 
It right, because I'm people. like, I go between you only live once and YOLO and let's get it. Right. To, oh my gosh, I'm going to die tomorrow if I don't stop eating this food right Right, now. right, right. And so you think about it, but you know, when you're a high achiever, you're like, shit, I win. I'm going all the way at it. I'm going to stop eating meat tomorrow. Yeah. And you're going to go in and throw all that away and you're going to be good for about three days. And that fourth day, that Burger King smoke wind going to hit your nose. <laughs> you're going to go get a Whopper. But you can't do that. I think that that's why on my social media, I always suggest Meatless Monday. And I don't do it because it sounds cute and it sounds clever and it does. But think about our culture. We are pretty much gluttons Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Friday, oh, I want my baby back, baby back. Oh, chilies, come on down. Ooh, buffet. Oh, we got drink specials. So we want to go out and eat and drink on Friday. Saturday. Especially if it's football season, we are tailgating all day. You wake up drinking a beer. Shit, I'm going to get a beer You get him started. I'm going to start slow. I ain't going to go too hard. I'm going to get this beer first. And that's how we start. And then everything is on the grill. The damn beans on the grill. Everything on it. So the beans got meat in it. It's got beef and bacon in the beans. Woo and it got brisket over here and ribs over here and sausage over here and burgers over here. And we do that all day Saturday. Then what do we do Sunday? We wake up, we go to church. Then you go out to eat again or over grandmama's house or somebody done cooked up a whole mess of the same type of food. And then you eat a belly full and you sit on the couch and undo your belt and go to sleep on the football game. And we do that. And so you've been pushing your body to extremes with food. Food and alcohol and all of the things that are bad for it and sugary drinks and fried foods and sauces and dips. Man, Monday, give your body a break. Damn. Mm -hmm. Give your body a break. See how you feel when you wake up Tuesday. You may not feel it Monday because you may be thinking so much about what you're missing and what you're not eating and trying not to make a mistake. So it may be preoccupying your thought process. But Tuesday morning, see how you feel when you wake up. Test yourself. Yes, yes. And see, feeling is important. That's how we interact. 80% or more of our communication is nonverbal. And the reason that we are drawn to the people that we are drawn to is how they make us feel when we're in their presence. Mm -hmm. So feeling is essential. And I think that we go through life moving so much and so fast, we stopped feeling our bodies. I know I did. Mm. And that's what, with my injury, I kept ignoring those pains because, oh, I got too much to do. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then my body finally sat me down. Oh, we're going to fix it where your ass can't move. Mm -hmm. And then I had to think, well, hold up. If I'm not at myself, I can't be anything for anyone else. else. And then when I went to yoga, in yoga they call it awareness. In the bodybuilding culture, it's referred to as mind-muscle connection, where you can actually feel inside of your body what these movements are doing. I can feel my spine rotating in yoga. I can feel it unraveling. And I can even hear the stuff popping back into place where it's supposed to be. My hip popped so loud one day in class that everybody stopped moving. It was like, it was like that. It didn't hurt. It felt good because it was getting back to where it's supposed to be. But... Once we start feeling, see, all of these things introduce you back to yourself. Once you clean your diet up 
And now you don't have any pain and you can feel that pain leave and you start feeling better. That's the first thing I ask people when they say, I don't ask them how much weight you've lost when they say, hey man, I gave up meat. I ain't ate none in two months. I don't ever say, well, how much weight have you lost? I said, how do you feel? How do you feel? And the first thing they say is, man, you know, I feel great, dude. Man, my energy, man, is through the roof. Now, who now sleeps so good now? Who man, I go to bed, I sleep all the way through. That's the priority. Right. How you feel. How you feel. And then when you move into the yoga, it's going to give you another connection, not only just physically, but emotionally, because hopefully it'll lead to other forms like meditation and things of that nature. You know, and so you can get back to feeling. Aretha Franklin said, giving him something he can feel, so to let him know this love is real. If it ain't real, you can't feel it. And I tell people with my body, if I can't feel it, I can't fix it, which is why I don't take prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to numb the pain because the pain is actually my guide. What if I do more than I should that day because I don't feel it and I'm thinking I feel better and I do more damage than I'm supposed to do? What if I hurt myself because I can't feel it? One of our yoga instructors, Capri. What up, Capri? Shout out to Capri. Capri always says, don't tune anything out. Feel everything. And that's to give you a guide. Maybe, okay, maybe I can go this far. You know, and even in the gym. I know a lot of guys in gym culture are married to, oh, I got to do these many sets. For me, it's a feel now. I go out feeling because feeling is the most important. I eat to feel a certain way. I exercise to feel a certain way. And not just physically, but a holistic feeling. A mind, body, soul feel. Well, okay, so let's wrap up here. But let me just say, I can tell you feel great. So when the world is shutting down and Leon is on top of the world because of the way you feel and holistically you have practiced this over an extended amount of time and are just on top of the world. So I I think that's amazing. You are such an inspiration to so many people, especially right now, and we want to follow you. So how do we find you on social Man, media? I'm on watch? Leon Thomas the Third. I'm on Facebook. Um, I got 5,000 friends already. Uh, but I'm probably going to have to start a fan page during this break while we're on quarantine. Um, there's also uh, the the Leon Thomas Experience. It's a page. Um, I went uh, Facebook Live from there. My boy, uh, one of my friends, Friday Ellis, I emceed uh, his campaign kickoff. Mm-hmm. And so I showed some of the video footage from there. I'm probably going to be doing more on there as well. Um, uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, LT underscore is underscore James Earl Bond. And that's because I'm the black James Bond and everybody know if James Bond was black, his middle name would be Earl. <laughs> I'm a black man named James Earl. I bet your daddy got a buddy he used to work with. Oh, girl, that's James Earl. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. I know, I know. Yeah, James Earl. Yeah. But, but another thing is, you know, I genuinely love people. And that's why the social distancing thing, I'm like, come on, y'all. That's why I share all the stuff I do on social media, because I love people. I don't want them to have to feel what I felt. So I want to save them from that. That is disastrous. And for most people, you can't bounce back from it. And that is so hard. There were so many doctors who told me that I was going to have to have surgery on my spine and this, that, the other. And I read something. On a website that said, if you're going to fix this, your your core is going to have to be strong as the F word. And so I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I can do that. 
but I'm not going to do the surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the other stuff. You invested you know? in yourself. You I spent the time and you made it a priority and you did all the and, things. And, 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 and human connection is important. Human mm-hmm. connection is important. And we got to understand that and community is important. That's another thing with this whole quarantine. We have to see about each other. We have to be there for each other. Community is a coming together. That's the root word is commune. Mm. You know, we have to have a community. You know, I have a yoga community. I have an iron community. All of these people, even with my beard, shout out to Beard Mob, even my beard community. You know, uh, Buffon, uh, Monty Mental, my boys in Beard Mob, all of y'all, this is Beard Mob salute right here. But, uh, you know, I have a community of people who, I am concerned about and who are concerned about me that extend beyond my immediate family. Mm-hmm. And we need that. You know, even my, my co-workers, you know, we happen to work together, but we become friends. I care about them. I care about their families. I want them to be happy and healthy and well. And I, I share all of my information because there was a time when I was exactly where they were. Right. And, and even if I wouldn't have received the information at the time, I definitely needed to hear it. Well, and you needed to know that they knew it. So right, you were right. the resource, that you knew that they were a resource for when you got ready. Yeah, I don't want y'all to have to try to go through what I got through to get to where I am. I'd rather you just come this way. Mm-hmm. Because the pathway I took led to destruction, it led to pain. And I had to bounce back from a lot of things. That took a lot. You know, even, even discipline. When I was, after I divorced my ex-wife, I was completely celibate. For three and a half years, including masturbation. Mm-hmm. Because I don't half-ass nothing. If you still jacking off, you ain't really being celibate. You're social distancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's not really the same. And so for me, I wanted to develop the strength to where I could make a decision of having sex or not having sex or getting into this sexual relationship where it could be a conscious decision here in my mind and not here in my pants. Mm-hmm. So if I could control those urges and I could go those lengths of time without that feeling of sexual gratification, then I know I have control over Right, so you basically invested in the things that you could control and made that a priority. I have a friend who's in the interior design business and she went through um, some traumatic situations too and she did the exact same thing. She started collecting and uh, fixing rooms because she could control the space. So, I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing, you know, and you got to invest in your health. This is the only body we get. I don't believe that, you know, life is supposed to be on a steady decline per se. I think that we get closer to where, you know, everything's on an even keel. I'm at an age now where I have the wisdom and the understanding. I've made enough mistakes uh, to have learned, um, you know, what not to do more so than anything else. And I'm in a body where I'm still capable of doing those things because I've made that investment. But 13 years ago, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, at 49, I am in way better shape than I've ever been. I look and feel better than I ever have. I have a whole six pack under my shirt at 49 years old. You know, and that's just the physical aspect. But I haven't been training for the six pack. All I want to do is keep walking. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to keep walking. And because of the nature of my injury, I had to invest a little bit more to get back to walking. And it's the same thing. It's going to be people who are going to 
you know, suffer a little bit of financial loss during this crisis. And you're going to have to do a little bit of extra investing in yourself, maybe more than the next person. This is something that we need to stop doing, too, in every regard. You know, I have a tendency to uh, to, to hold a little bit more weight than other people. And so I have to police myself a little bit more in different areas. We can't be like, well, so-and-so eat all the time and they still thin. You worried about how you look as opposed to how you feel. Mm. If this thin person is eating two and three hamburgers, then they skinny ass going to get high blood pressure or diabetes or cancer or gout or fibromyalgia or whatever other disease comes from eating stuff that's not designed for human consumption. We've got to focus on ourselves. And not try to be comparing ourselves in good or bad ways. Mm -hmm. Because success is really predicated upon how you feel on the inside. Exactly. You have a podcast. You got a baby. Uh, you know, your daddy got a buddy named James Earl. Mm -hmm. That might be all you need right, right. in life to be happy. Whereas somebody else may need a big mansion on a hill somewhere in a Mercedes Benz. You may not need that. That may not be your deal. You may be off the grid. But... We shouldn't put a, a a stamp on one or the other as success or failure. You know, that's what I believe. Right. You know. I totally get it. All right. Thank you so much. Man, thank you for having thank me, baby. Thank you yes, so yes, yes, yes. much. It was and thank you all of my YouTubers. And she smells fantastic, by the way. All of my, all of my Facebook friends, man. Thank y'all for watching. I know a lot of y'all have a lot of questions for me, and I'm pretty sure this may have answered a lot of that for y'all. You've been listening to the Humans of Neela podcast presented by the Malia Jones Network.